Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and as always I'm so grateful that you've joined us this week to dive into God's Word, pulling out one truth and just really focusing on one choice as well. So this week, my dear friend, Crystal Wright, is back with me. And Crystal, we decided that we should do a couple weeks leading up to Thanksgiving versus focusing on gratitude and having a heart of thankfulness. So thank you so much for being here with me this week. And we decided to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to really focus on verse 18. But there is some context to this that's really important. So we're going to loosely include the two verses in front of it as well. But our verse of the week is verse 18, again, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it says this, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So we're going to dive into the immediate context in just a minute. But Crystal, one of the things I really appreciate that you do so well is give us kind of an overview, a 36,000 foot view of the book. And Paul's heart, as he's writing this to the church at Thessalonica, could you give us just a quick overview that sets us up for this specific chapter and verse? Yes, so this is a letter that Paul, he's actually writing it with both Silas and Timothy, but Paul is the primary author and speaker, and he is writing this letter to a group of new believers. In fact, historians think this may have been one of the very first letters that Paul wrote to one of the very Mm -hmm. first groups of Christians and one of the first churches that he ever planted. So this is early, early on in Christian history and the establishment of -hmm. of the church and Paul's missionary journeys. And so that's really a kind of a special group of people that he's writing to. You can look back at Acts uh, chapter 17 if you want to get the backstory of how this church started, but it was a a group of eclectic people that heard Paul and Silas preaching in the city of Thessalonica, which was in Mm -hmm. the the region of Macedonia or what is today Greece. And they Mm -hmm. heard the message that, that Paul was speaking about Jesus being the Messiah and the Messiah who was not only crucified for our sins, but who came back to life. And this group included some Jewish people in the area as well as Greek. And then Paul also makes note that there was many prominent women as well that were part of this initial group of, of people that put their faith in Christ. And so they're in the city of Thessalonica. It's a a pretty big metropolitan city. It's on a trade route. So there's ports and harbors and a lot of um, action and things that are happening. Although there was a small group that put their faith in Jesus, there was a larger group, especially from from the other Jewish uh, people in the area who really resisted this message. And so there was a lot of persecution that was coming against this brand new church and persecution to the point that Paul and Silas actually had mm-hmm. to flee for their own lives. Right. So Paul just basically goes in, shares the gospel, plants this little church, flees for his life, doesn't get to really be in communication. And he says he tries to go back several times because he wants to check on them. I mean, this is a fledgling 
group of uh, believers, and he goes back to, he wants to go back to check on him, but every time he makes plans, he's not able to. So eventually, he's able to send Timothy back to check on them, and Timothy comes back to report to, to Paul, and I think Paul's expecting that, you know, with all the persecution, that maybe they're tempted to lose their faith in Jesus, but what he finds out is actually the opposite, that this body of believers is not only remaining faithful to the message they heard, but they're growing, they're thriving, and they're actually spreading the message of Christ throughout the region and are are just a huge testimony. So that's the background. And so Paul is writing this letter. He's, He's just so grateful for their faith. And he's writing this letter really to encourage them in the midst of the persecution that they're facing to hold fast to the message Mm -hmm. that they received and Mm. the promise of eternal life that's coming. Mm. Absolutely. Very, very well done. Great summary. (laughs) And I think us understanding the level of persecution this church was founded under and continued to experience after Paul left really gives us a critical insight into the importance Mm -hmm. of Paul's words. So you can read this two different ways. You can read this, be thankful in all all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. If you belong to Christ Jesus, that's how one might read it if their life is just pretty easy. And these are just things that we say, right, when we speak Christianese. Or you can read it the way that I'm sure Paul would emphasize it because he wrote it to the church that he actually had to leave because he himself was in danger. His life was in danger. So he had run away after planting this church and knew that these Christians were under intense persecution. In fact, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, there's a lot of talk about what happens to those who are asleep in Christ. So it's not a stretch to understand that Paul is writing to his friends and he has lost some of his friends because they have been persecuted to the point of death. Okay, so now read it with that emphasis. Be thankful in every circumstance. This is God's will for you because you are in Christ Jesus. His emphasis is I know that this is costing you everything, your faith. But even in the middle of your life being threatened, be thankful. And for me, the truth, knowing the context for which this was written is, well, it's convicting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, the truth is convicting on this one, which, you know, the truth often is. But because we know the circumstances that these Christians were under, what Paul is trying to say is don't get this backwards. Don't have gratitude. Don't have thankfulness when you like your circumstances. In other words, your circumstances don't inform whether or not you are thankful. Your thankfulness, your your choice to be thankful every day informs how you view your circumstances. So, Your circumstances, let's say if you're being persecuted, should allow you to participate in the suffering of Jesus Christ. Be thankful for that. Be thankful for this opportunity to bond with your Savior, your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave everything to the point of death. You're fellowshipping in his suffering. So for me, Crystal, that is the primary truth. But along with that, I I really have to read the two commands that are very short verses right before our verse of the week. 
Verses 16 and 17 go with verse 18, and together it reads like this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Always be joyful. Pray. Never stop praying. Be thankful or be grateful in all circumstances. Many years ago, I heard a preacher who called these three commands the RPGs of our Christian arsenal. And having grown up with my father, who was in the military, (laughs) an RPG, right, is a rocket-propelled grenade. So these are our offensive weapons. These are how we fight against the weapons of the enemy. What are some of the weapons of the enemy? Discouragement despair, confusion, right? Mm -hmm. Think of anxiety, fear, all of the things that come against us. And Paul is saying, these are your RPGs. These are your offensive weapons. And isn't it cute? RPGs, rejoice, pray, be grateful, (laughs) RPG, right? These are RPGs, our offensive weapons against the enemy, because this is how you fight back. And so the truth is we are in a spiritual battle and we can't have this just, you know, neutral stance of, well, I'm just going to get hit. Life's just going to be hard and I'm just going to hide under a rock and under my bed covers until it all goes away. No, our offensive weapons, along with the word of God, are to rejoice, pray without ceasing, and to have a heart of gratitude. So yes, we're in the month of Thanksgiving, the month where we know we're supposed to focus on being grateful, but this is our weapon against the arrows and the bullets and the spears of the enemy year round to have a heart of gratitude and to have a heart of gratitude in every situation, regardless of what we're walking through. God, help me to be grateful even for the things that are difficult in my life. So that's the truth that I pulled out. And it's so critical that we understand the emphasis that Paul has again because of who he's writing to. So what was the truth that was really popping out and most profound for you in this verse or these three verses, Crystal? It's pretty simple. I just kept coming back to the reality that gratitude is necessary, not optional for mm-hmm. a thriving faith. It's mm-hmm. it's actually one of the pillars that our faith stands on because it is also rooted, I think, in that promise that we have that God is at work regardless of our circumstances. Gratitude is like the verbal expression of acknowledging that God is in control and he is absolutely working out his plans and we can trust him. And so it really is a necessary part of our faith. And in some ways, I feel like Paul is putting it on par with other things that we would equate to being the most essential parts of our faith, whether it's prayer or righteous living or whatever it is that we tend to think these are what really matters. I think Paul is saying, and don't forget about gratitude. You're not going to have a thriving faith without it because without it, you'll actually begin to doubt God's promises and his work in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. And I love it. Keep it simple because that's what Paul's trying to do here. He's trying to keep it simple. He's like, this isn't complicated stuff, but it is a choice that you have to make. And if ever there was an obvious choice, it's this week, right? 
He's saying, be thankful in every circumstance. Let your gratitude dictate your view of your circumstances, not your circumstances dictating whether or not you're you're in gratitude and thankfulness. Why? Because this is God's will. What's God's will? That you rejoice, that you pray, that you be thankful. Oh, and also every circumstance that you're in, that is also God's will. What? So the difficulty that I'm in is God's will for my life? Yes. The challenge that I'm facing is God's will for my life? Yes, because God's will for our lives, again, newsflash, is not comfort. What is it? It's Christ-likeness. God's will for our lives is not comfort. It's Christ-likeness. So every circumstance that he's asking us to be thankful in is a recognition, God, this is your will. You haven't you haven't left me. You haven't abandoned me. You haven't betrayed me. You haven't walked away. You're not a wall. This is your will and you're very much here with me. And I acknowledge that by operating in gratitude, by being thankful, even for the circumstances that I would say I hate. You know, I plenty of people don't like their health diagnosis right now or the amount in their bank account or the lack of a job or you know, children that are in rebellion. We all have circumstances that are heartbreaking, but the choice is looking for God in the middle of those circumstances. And how do we do that? But by saying, God, I thank you for allowing this because even though I can't see it yet, I trust that you are making me more like your son, Jesus. That's the truth. And that's the choice that I can, that I can take to the bank. So this whole picture of rejoicing and praying and being thankful reminds me as far as these being our offensive weapons it reminds me of that story in second chronicles probably my favorite story in the old testament i've always said this needs to be a movie right maybe somebody's made it a movie and if somebody knows of this movie i need you to forward a link to me but second chronicles chapter 20 and i'm going to summarize this really quickly is this amazing story if you've never read it you have to read it it's better than any movie king jehoshaphat And his army is under attack by three massive hordes, three armies that are coming for him. And he panics, of course, and he says, stop, everybody stop and let's start praying. Everybody prays, all of Judah's praying, everybody's on their face before the Lord. This guy stands up in the crowd and he says, the battle doesn't belong to us. God's saying the battle belongs to him and we need to praise him and we need to worship him. So the morning of the battle, they're riding out. And instead of going with a lot of military force and might, they put the choir, they put worshipers in front of the soldiers. And the worshipers started singing over and over and over again, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. So they're singing this song of worship and gratitude to God, and they show up to fight But God had promised that the battle belonged to him and all they had to do was just show up and he was going to fight for them. Sure enough, all they did was worship and all three of those massive horde armies killed themselves off to where (laughs) Judah shows up, God's people show up, there's nobody left alive. All All of these three massive armies have killed themselves off, killed each other off, and it took God's people, it took Judah three days to collect all the booty, all the plunder that those armies had left behind. That's the power of a heart of gratitude, of thanking God 
what a weapon against our enemy, who is, according to John 10, 10, he wants to rob, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy us. And maybe not physically, because that's not really how he's going to come after a lot of us, but he wants to kill us mentally and emotionally. He wants to discourage us. He wants to depress us. He wants to make us quit and give up and, and lose hope. And I love how you said it earlier, just keeping it simple. We're going to have a good litmus test of our faith by whether or not we're choosing to be grateful today. That choice of gratitude shows where we're at spiritually and what we're believing. So Crystal, summarize for us the choice that you want listeners to make in this coming week. Spent a lot of the last 20 years counseling people with substance use disorders. And one of the things that I have always admired about those that are really earnest about getting in recovery is that they deal very aggressively with resentments in their life. There's no room for resentments. In fact, they have a saying, I don't have the luxury to have a resentment. If I have a resentment, it's going to lead me to this destructive thing, this destructive thing. So I've always admired that. And really at the root of resent, because to me, resentment's the opposite of gratitude. It's Mm -hmm. a bitterness of heart, a bitterness of feeling, a sense that you're being wronged, wronged by God, wronged by the world. And um, it really, really does rob us and gives us a lot of permission to do a lot of self-destructive and self-justifying things. And so if I was going to challenge us headed into the month of Thanksgiving, I would say we probably all could identify even a small resentment that we have in our life if we got brutally honest with ourselves. We're not that spiritual. We have them. (laughs) And what if we were to take it as seriously as the alcoholic in recovery who says, I don't have the luxury. As a Christian, I don't have the luxury to not live in gratitude. I don't have the luxury to have a resentment. And so I think the choice I'm choosing to apply to myself, because I need to put the put this in practice in my own life, but for others is just even identify one resentment that you have right now and hand that over to the Lord and ask him, what would it look like if he showed you something to be grateful for in the thing that you're resenting. And let's just start there. Let's just start there and see what the Holy Spirit does. I think that it's radically transformative. I've experienced that. I've witnessed countless people that I've counseled that be the game changer for them when they could move into a place of gratitude, which then just opens our hearts and minds for more that God wants to do and speak to us. So that would be the choice. Absolutely. Hebrews calls it a root of bitterness. I think the resentments and the bitterness goes hand in hand. And, you know, in Hebrews, it talks about make sure there's no root of bitterness because it starts spreading, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think along with that choice of, I just say, hey, I don't have the luxury of having any bitterness or resentment in my life. Understanding that that resentment doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone in your circle. It affects your family, it affects your friends, it affects your coworkers, it affects everyone you touch. And it, like Hebrew says, it just spreads like yeast in dough. And if we really want to impact our world, it's not so often that we're going to get up and start screaming a message on a street, on a street corner. It's going to be subtle choices that we make like this to operate in a heart of gratitude. I test this sometime. I 
I'm imagining that you have a couple people in your life that are negative, <laughs> as I do. And one of the things I like to do when I'm around negative people is when they make a negative comment, I act like I don't quite hear it. And I say something that's positive or I'll flip their negative comment into something to be grateful for. And I think that that is a kind way not to be disrespectful, but to help people identify, hey, I'm choosing gratitude and I invite you to join me. So along with addressing any any root of bitterness or resentment in our lives, keeping really short accounts with the Lord, because yes, that is the opposite of gratitude and thankfulness. Let's also really focus on being thankful, grateful sharers, right? Where we're permeating everybody in our circle, everyone in our life in this next month, not just with some cheesy, oh, it's Thanksgiving, here's the things, you know, the things I'm thankful for, but more in how we act, more in how we talk, more in how we live our lives, that we are so mindful that we don't have the luxury of being anything other than grateful. Why? Because of the price that was paid for us by Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's for that reason we don't have the luxury of being anything but grateful. As our verse of the week says, this is God's will for you, for for me. Why? Because we belong to Christ Jesus. And because when we belong to Christ Jesus, we can never forget what he accomplished on our behalf. For that reason, we are grateful. So Crystal, would you close us in prayer that we would actually apply this verse, that we would be thankful in every circumstance, not just this week, but this month, not because it's Thanksgiving, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Father, you have given us everything that we need, everything you promise us for life and for godliness, and for that we are deeply grateful. Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts and in our minds, that as we are facing the unique circumstances that each one of us has in our lives, that you would shine the light of your truth on each one of those circumstances, Lord, that we would be able to see your sovereignty, your provision, the fact that you have already conquered death, that you have promised us eternal life. And not only that, but you've promised us your presence, your grace that's sufficient for every circumstance that we're facing right now, Lord. I just pray that you would help us as we turn our hearts back to you in those moments that we're feeling bitter, that we're feeling discouraged, Lord, sometimes I confess we even feel like maybe you're not paying attention to us or you're withholding, but Lord, we know, we know because you have been faithful and we know because your word promises us that you are who you say you are. You are at work in our lives. You have redeemed us and you are going to finish the work you've started in our lives. And so help us to hold fast to that with hearts of gratitude. Help us to be people of faith that sing your praise even before we see the victory won. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.